Welcome to More Business, More Life podcast. I'm your host, Steve Noplaton. This show is for C-level executives, entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, and speakers who have found success, but they don't have the life that they want. On this weekly show, we're going to be talking about business skills to have more business while we design our ideal life and have more life. More business, more life without sacrifice. Welcome to the show. Welcome to More Business, More Life podcast. And today I have Tim Richards. He is the producer, the founder of the Philosopher's Stone Ground products. And it's the sprouted almond butter that I have in my hand right here. And I found this because my wife bought this product and I loved it so much. And then I was reading the label and I was like, I have to have Tim on the show. This is amazing. And I'm so excited to have him. And we talk about how did he take his love for food and what he want and turn it into a livelihood. And now over eight years, so eight years later, he's been able to build a thriving business and they're taking it to the next level, both nutritionally, product-wise, and for him to have the life that he wants while he's helping provide this amazing product. So we're going to cover so many things from food, farming, business, you name it. We're going to talk about all of that in this episode. Somehow we fit it all in. So with that, I would uh, listen in. And if you have something that you're passionate about, how do you turn that into a business? That's exactly what Tim has done. So Tim, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. It's awesome to be here, Steve. Thanks for the invite. It's my pleasure. I was I brought a jar of your awesome almond butter with me, and you have so many different flavors. We tried like a ton of them. Even my, I told my wife I was coming on to do the podcast with you, and she said, "Oh, get the chocolate jar. That one we just ran out of." And then she's like, "Where is it? Oh, we already recycled it." But like we burned through so many of these and all the different flavors. But I just want to start this show off. And I want to know a little bit more about how you got into this business, Tim, but I just got to share my own personal story. The reason that Tim's on the show today is because my wife comes home and she's got a jar of the Philosopher's Stone ground almond butter and I'm eating. I can't remember what I put it. I put it on something. I can't remember if it was like a a piece of bread or like a a rice cake or something, but I'm like, oh, I'm going to try this out. I put it on, I'm I'm eating it. And then I noticed the story on the jar and I start reading it. I'm like, oh, this guy's so cool. I can just feel the love of your company. And that's what we look for in more business, more life. But people that are putting their love and their heart into something, and then they're creating abundance around that for themselves and others by bringing your love. And so I just immediately texted my team and I took a picture of your jar, Tim. And I'm like, Hey, we have to get uh, him on the show. And then here we are. So, I mean, literally that's how excited I am to finally have you here and uh, be a part of the show. That's super awesome, Steve. I'm really glad to know that someone actually read the side of the jar. You know, I, I actually thought it was like one of those deals, you know, like the Dr. Bronner's label where you see like all the writing all over and it's really cool and interesting, but like most people aren't actually reading it because there's so much text. Right. I kind of, I was afraid that my little philosophy on my jar was like that, but I'm glad it, it wasn't too long. So you actually, you actually read it and saw the substance of what we were doing. Well, you know, it's interesting you brought that up because with my wife and I, we, like to live in like rural areas and be with the, with the land. And even my wife said something today. She said, it's nice to live where there are more trees than people. Not that we don't like people, but we like lots of trees too, you know? So I, so that just knowing that when we, when we were younger, one of our first properties, unbeknownst to us, we were around farms that were using tons of pesticides and we started to get sick. 
Mm. And so uh, that brought our awareness to a heightened level. And so we actually had to start reading labels mm. because we're like, what are we eating? And, uh, and I didn't, th- and I thank you for bringing this up and for everyone out there, you should read these things because it really does matter what we're putting in our body. And so when I read, uh, so I do typically look at what I'm eating and I didn't always. So I love that that got brought up. And then the other thing that caught me is your love because you know, you think of grandma's food. People always say, oh, why is grandma's, I have grandma's recipe. It just doesn't taste the same. I swear it's the love that they put into it. And I can feel that in, in products now. You can tell when someone cares. And, and as I'm eating it, I'm reading it. And, and it's not many times because I do read a lot of labels that I don't, I don't always remember it, but yours, I remember I'm like eating it, it's tasting so good. And I'm reading the story. I can feel the love. Mm. So, which kind of brings me to my first question. Like, how did you come to doing all this? I, I you know, I, I don't know if you grew up thinking, Hey, I'm going to crush uh, nuts for a lot li- for my life. <laughs> what, what brought you to this? Cause the love definitely screams off your jar, brother. Um, oh, thank you. I appreciate that reflection. And I'm glad that you can feel what we're doing. And I think people like you are really our target market because there's a certain number of people that like try the product and they instantly like not only get the hit of how amazing the, the product is, but they actually feel the love, the mission, the vision. And they can tell that it's like all the, it's, it's a very deep product, right? You can't call, you can't have a business called the Philosopher's Stone Ground and not have a deep, like holistically thought out product. I mean, to answer your question, I, I would say I'd followed serendipity, honestly, and also synchronicity. So basically the philosopher's stone ground is my business that I started back in 2013. I was in this interesting transitional moment in my life where I had just been working for an environmental nonprofit and I actually got laid off. And so here I was 25 years old. You know, I had just moved to Davis, California from the East coast where I grew up in Maryland and I'd been working this job, which brought me out there. And then all of a sudden I didn't have the job anymore. So I suddenly found myself in this deep moment of kind of existential reckoning of what is my life's work going to be? And how am I going to bring my purpose into the world in a way that I can feel like I can authentically do my life's work, but also make a financial living doing it. So I kind of sat with this question and, um, I started doing some food product demos. I, I was doing uh, organic coconut water from Harmless Harvest and organic teas from Organic India and Eco Teas. And I started getting into the food product demoing a little bit. And at the same time, I enrolled as a holistic health coach in this Institute for Integrative Nutrition program. So I was studying to be a holistic health coach, doing food product demos to make, make some money. And um, really sitting with this question, how do I what is my life's work going to be? And it was kind of this year-long meditation for me, meditation and action while I was doing these other things. You know, do you want the cosmological version of the story or do you want the like human earthly world version? I think, you know, it might be a little bit of both, but I'm <laughs> okay. not afraid. I'm, you know, it's interesting that you, thanks for asking that, but I think it's that both, you know, part of what I teach uh, and that I love to hear and your story because one simple way to put it, and maybe this will help you answer that, is that when our heart and our, our mind align, then I think the outward uh, reality can come about, right? And in that, 
I can't tell you how many people I meet, they forsake what their heart's desire wants. Mm. And so I think what you're saying, you know, in another way, the human part is that mind part that tells us, oh, you need to make money doing this. Oh, you can't make money doing that. But then the heart is screaming. You know, it's like the starving artists out there. You can be an artist and you can actually make a living because it might be what you're meant to do. And so anyway, so my answer is probably both because it's how, and actually that brings another question. So maybe you can answer. It's like, how did you navigate that where your heart is saying, look for something meaningful, but yes, you got to pay the bills, you know, like where does that, does that help? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. So I, I was a philosophy major in college, right? So that's the classic major for following your heart, right? You, if you have any brain whatsoever, you will not study philosophy in undergrad. Um, <laughs> there's just like, what are you going to do with a philosophy degree, right? The joke was always you either flip burgers or write books, right? That's like, or become a professor. You know, there's, there's not a lot that you can really do practically with a philosophy degree. And, you know, I didn't really think about that. You know, I was a kid. I was just, I was most interested in philosophy. So, of course, I'm going to major in philosophy. Why not? Yeah. And then, you know, once I'm outside the ivory tower, it's like, oh, okay, now I need to figure out like how to make money that doesn't involve just getting it from my parents to like do whatever I want to do. So, I'm, you know, here I am 25 trying to figure it out. And um, I'm in this holistic health coaching program and I learn about sprouting. And they tell me sprouting makes all food, whether it's nuts, grains, beans, or seeds, it makes that food sweeter, more digestible, and more nutritious. And I thought, huh, okay. And I remembered I was actually a raw foodist briefly in college. So I was, I was kind of familiar with like, you know, sprouting buckwheat and making my own sprouted almond milk. And then I would like, you know, make the almond milk and then I would drain the pulp out and like dehydrate my own like raw almond bread. And I was, I was doing all this stuff in college. Dabbling and, without knowing it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. It's like, I, I totally had this exploration open up. So yeah, I, I started as like a standard American diet kind of person, you know, 18 years growing up eating Pizza Hut, McDonald's. I was afraid of eating things that were green or red. I didn't eat vegetables. I only was like meat and potatoes. You know, my pizza couldn't have tomato sauce on it because it was a vegetable. Wow. Um, you know, it was pretty bad. And, um, you know, I don't know what it was, but something about the way that I w- was growing up and was raised, I just wanted to completely change when I went to college. So as soon as I went to college, I started joining every single activist group that I could, you know, environmental groups, animal rights groups, anti-war groups, labor groups, like, and I I just really engaged on this process of trying to not only change the world, but also trying to change myself. And I think it's because I came from a pretty conservative rural uh, part of Maryland. And I just didn't like what I was seeing around me, people, you know, waving Confederate Confederate flags, um, being racist against black people toting guns, just kind of like redneck culture yeah. that I, I didn't like. And so I, I basically propelled myself in the opposite direction. And um, I changed my diet. You know, as soon as I went to college, I accidentally became a vegetarian, noticed I felt a lot better. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, oh, maybe I should try being a vegan, became vegan. I was like, whoa, I feel even more. I'm like more aware. Like I just became more aware of how food was affecting me. Then I became raw vegan. And it was like, oh, I'm living on light. Like I've got the glow, you know. I go going through all these different phases and each way it was basically increasing my consciousness. So I, I like to look back at that and I, I realized, wow, food was actually a gateway to my transformation of consciousness. So I started waking up in college. I had that raw food, you know, state and I was in this holistic health coach class being like, oh yeah, I used to sprout. 
why don't I try that again? So I ended up sprouting some almonds and I took those almonds and I tried them. I was like, dang, that is amazingly good. This would make an incredible almond butter. And so I, I ended up throwing some almonds in a blender and uh, just, you know, adding some oil and salt and uh, lo and behold, it was delicious. It was like the most delicious almond butter I'd ever had in my life. And at the time I didn't know you had to dehydrate the almonds. So it was like delicious for like a day and a half. And then it went rancid because it was just wet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I realized you have to dehydrate it. So once I dehydrated it, it was like, oh my God, this is the most amazing almond butter I've ever had in my life. It's like mana from heaven. And I shared some with my housemates and they were like, dude, this is the best almond butter ever. Like you got to make this a business. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm like going to be a health coach and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, one day I, my housemate comes up to me and you know, I'm like perfecting the recipes and like keep sharing it with everybody. And he literally shoves cash in my hand. He's like, dude, I want to buy your almond butter. And I'm like, wow. I like, I kind of felt it was like this jolt. Like, whoa. Okay. And, um, right around that time, it's like the, the internal was starting to like click for me, like, oh wait, this could actually be a business. And then the external world also aligned. And right at that time, the California homemade food act passed. And basically that lets you legally sell things that you make in your home kitchen. And so I realized, wait a second, for like 75 bucks, I could actually start making this and selling it right here out of my home kitchen. So uh, we actually became the first certified cottage food operation in Yolo County. And I started selling it to just my friends and like a local email listserv at first. And I started getting orders and uh, they just never stopped. And so, you know, I was like, wow, I guess um, I'm going to be doing this company. It just kind of took off. And uh, wow. that was back in 2013. So it'll be eight years next month that I've been doing this business. It's so cool. And I have so many questions, but just even since I have the jar right here, I mean, the ingredients are spar- uh, sprouted organic almonds and ancient seabed salt. I mean, it's like two ingredients and amazingness. And, you know, sometimes the simplest things are, are, are what's so amazing and obviously the right product like obviously you're sourcing some of the the best of those two ingredients to put into this this jar of awesomeness but then it also comes back to the intentions i like we brought up earlier and i want to geek out on that maybe a little bit but i also but so now go eight years like maybe share where you are right now just like as this i mean for first that you made it eight years i mean statistically how many businesses don't make it past the first year, the second year. I mean, five years, you're eight years now. First, congratulations. And then maybe just share where the business is now so people can get a, an idea of, of the transformation. And then we'll probably work backwards and pick, pick a few things apart. But um, where are you right now? Totally. Yeah. So we're, we're in about 125 stores from San Diego to Seattle, mostly independents and co-ops and other kinds of natural grocery stores. Um, the biggest chain that we're in is Whole Foods. We're in Whole Foods, Northern California. Um, so that's, that's cool. It's kind of a rite of passage to get into Whole Foods as a brand in a local region. We're also selling on Amazon Prime nationwide. And um, also on our website, we're selling, doing a lot of volume through our website nationwide as well. Uh, we're on websites like goodeggs.com, which is like delivering farm fresh groceries to you, as well as KP Organic Farm Fresh to you CSA. So yeah, we're, we're basically working to just keep growing the business, keep growing the channels of distribution that we're in, getting into more stores, getting into more e-tailers as well. 
and yeah, we're, we're basically, we're still pretty small in terms of revenue. You're, we're still under a million in sales, but we're looking to go north of a million, hopefully by the end of this year. Well, congratulations on, on that and, and your success. And it's one of those things when people see you two years from now and they see this gigantic success and they're like, oh, wow, overnight success. Yeah, 10 years of overnight <laughs> success, but it, uh, it does take time, but it gets exponential. And I'm guess I'm guess I'm curious, like how has this changed in your life? Or are, are you still getting in there making the butters, or are you more running the business and you've you've delegated uh, producing or the producing the product, or is it still a mix? Like what is what is uh, a day in the life of Tim these days look like? Totally. Well, yeah. At this point, I've I've outsourced the production to a co-packer, and he's basically you know he's more of an in-house co-packer. I actually hold the lease on the production facility here in Santa Cruz. And um, I sublease it to him and then I subcontract the manufacturing out to him. Okay. So, you know, it's, um, he's a third party. He's not, not part of my business. He also manufactures chocolate products. That's his main wheelhouse. But because we share stone grinders uh, for the equipment, he's like, why don't I do steer nut butters too? So it's been working out pretty well. We have a good synergy for the last, I think that's since we moved here in uh, June of 2015, he's been doing our production. But until June of 2015, I was doing it myself and with people that I would hire to help me. Since then, I've been focusing on, you know, growing the sales and the marketing side of the business, as well as opening up distributors. And um, we still do our own fulfillment. So as soon as the product is made here in our Santa Cruz facility, we actually warehouse it right next door and we ship it out every single order that goes out, whether it's a pallet to Whole Foods or one jar to a customer on our website. We're shipping all that product out right from here in Santa Cruz, doing it ourselves. Pretty cool. So, you know, most of the time I'm on the computer, just coordinating all that. It's a lot of, it's a lot of digital work, you know, working with software like Shopify for our website and, you know, Klaviyo for our email marketing and just, you know, emailing people, calling people, just making it all happen basically. And how has that changed? I'm curious, like for your love, because I mean, it still screams through your product. The, the I mean, because I mean, even just hearing your story, just how you came about it, and and you and you you kind of allowed life to come in the way. But just even hearing your story, just to reflect, you in some ways, part of you already knew. I mean, the fact that you were exploring the sprouting and you were exploring all those other things, your heart was still coming through. Uh, you didn't maybe at that point. Um, and I can look at parts of my life where I look back and go, wow, I was meant to do that because now it led to this. And I think Steve Jobs says it best. He says, you can only connect the dot. He says only, he, you can only connect the dots looking backwards mm-hmm. because you don't see all the things that happen in our life that lead to this point. But I, I guess um, my question is, um, you know, how is it just the love of getting this good product out to the world that drives you when you get in front of the computer? Or how do you have that love keep, or does it? I mean, is it impacted now? Or do you still feel that love every day when you get up and you're working on your website? Or um, how how is it, you know, going for you right now? Yeah, so basically, the business really allowed for me to tie together three of the main threads from my life up until that moment when I decided to start the business. So that was my life as a foodie, my life as a thinker, and my life as an activist. So the the part of the story that I didn't explain yet is the cosmological part. And so I gave you, you know, the sort of biographical way that it started. But really, the catalyst 
for me to finally decide to do this was there was one night in early 2013 when I was just laying in Shavasana on my yoga mat right next to my bed before I was going to sleep. And I was basically, you know, just meditating. And um, all of a sudden, I just got a download from the universe. It was like instantaneously, I just beamed in this whole vision uh, that came through. And it, I can basically clearly see like the next five years of my life, like laid out in front of me. And it was, it was this message that was telling me that my life's purpose at that moment was to start a sprouted almond butter company that would teach people about the importance of sprouted food on the one hand. And on the other hand, actually serve as an economic engine for changing the way that food is grown. Because uh, I was, you know, I was living in Davis at the time and all around Davis, all you can see is basically almond orchards as far as the eye can see. And, um, you know, the orchards, on the one hand, it's nice to be surrounded by trees, but on the other hand, when you look at these orchards, you know, you're, you're seeing just trees. You're not seeing anything else. There's nothing on the soil. There's no life whatsoever. No birds, no grass, no insects. It's just trees in, in this monoculture in long straight rows right. from aisles. And so you, you kind of get this eerie feeling. It's like, wait a second, something's wrong there. And then every, every so often you'll see these you know, big trucks driving through these long, straight, empty roads that are just spraying chemicals. And so I, I was seeing that. I was right, right in the hotbed of all that almond farming. And I was like, man, that model makes no sense. Like nature does not work that way. You know, forests, they have other things growing besides trees. Yes. And it works in polycultures, not monocultures. So I knew, you know, deep down that I wanted to create a new model for agriculture one that was more based on permaculture or polyculture, however you want to call it. Basically, using nature as your model, using ecosystems as your model for agriculture that happen to produce food. That's, you know, that's definitely a, a key function of this new model of agriculture. But the way that we produce food is more ecological. It's more in tune with the way that not only ecosystems work, but also the way that living organisms work. And so rather than spraying these biocides, I mean, what does the word bioside mean? It means life, bio, side, to kill. We are killing life with what we're spraying on our food. And you look at these things and it's like, wait a second, why am I eating food that has had poison sprayed on it? And, you know, when you start to unravel it, it's like you start to unravel like you're in the matrix. And it's all yeah. of a sudden it's like, wait a second, there's 30 different agricultural inputs that are getting sprayed on my almonds and, you know, every single one of them is either carcinogenic or toxic to my liver or, you know, wipes out bees or whatever it is. It's like harming life. And so I knew I knew that this model was fundamentally wrong and it had to change. And so for me, what motivates me every day is getting to what I call a regenerative business model so that we're actually promoting the flourishing of all life rather than what we're used to seeing with business as usual, which is it's degenerative. It's, it's making us less healthy. It's making us less happy. It's making us polluted and it's making us sick. We're at the point where one in two men and one in three women will get cancer in their lifetime here in the U.S. You can go on the National Institute of Cancer website right now and look up that statistic. That's an official statistic from like the people that study cancer in this society. So there's something very wrong with the way that we're doing business. And at the root of that, there's something wrong with the way that we're doing agriculture. 
And my vision is to use my company, as I said, to try to create an economic engine for a different kind of system that actually regenerates and promotes the flourishing of all life, not just human life, but the microbes in the soil, the grass on the ground, the shrubs under the almond trees, the almond trees themselves. Uh, ideally, we start grazing animals in that orchard, which naturally control the weeds so that you don't need to mow, you don't need to spray chemicals, you don't need to flame weed. You actually have the animals just eating grass. And guess what? They're actually also fertilizing your soil. They're giving you free manure, which feeds the soil, adds nutrients, feeds the microbes in the soil. And, you know, there's just such more intelligent ways that we can do agriculture that don't involve poisoning people and planet. So that's what motivates me on a deeper level is I got this, this grand uh, download from the universe that told me that this is my life's purpose. And every single day that I've woken up since then, I've been working to acti actively achieve my life's purpose through my business. And I, I just feel like when you have a, a, such a visceral experience of knowing what your life's purpose is and like it gives, you know, when it happens, I was like getting shivers up my spine and it was just, I had never experienced something so clear and so true that there was no question that that's what I was going to do. And I've been doing it every day since. I'm so happy to hear. And there's so many things. It's going to be, it's way more than this po podcast can handle, <laughs> but I am so in alignment with you on so many levels. And I, I have several things that I want to highlight from what you just shared. One, there are people that come to me because like, I've had moments like that and know where my purpose is. And so many part of my more life part of this show is that we give pause. And I even have a turtle uh, of a turtle to remind myself to slow down. And so one thing, you know, people ask me sometimes, how did you figure this out? And, and I'll get downloads like you're saying, but I gave pause to life. You know, that's why meditation is so important. And if we're just go, 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 which happens in today's modern society, we're not giving enough time for us. Everyone can have a download like you had. If we gave enough pause, if we gave enough space for our, to hear the voice inside of ourselves or the download that's coming from the universe, however you want to look at it, it's just giving enough quiet time to actually have it come through. But I think we all have someone knocking on our door and, you know, and some of us in our life and I've had it both ways, either I've had the download, but sometimes we, I, I have not listened. Sometimes that's happened to me and you know, you're getting nudged and then life will just slap you <laughs> as well. Right. Sometimes and it's like, no, go that way. And, uh, and it can be in small things and in big things. So one kudos for listening and those goosebumps or those shivers, I, my friends and I, we call it truth bumps, right? It's mm -hmm. like that indication <laughs> that we're getting what we need. And then, you know, that, that uh, property that I told you about, I didn't even think about the coincidence of this until we're on this call. But guess what? We were all around almond almonds? farms oh, and wow. we got so sick. It was so many. And I didn't realize it's one of the highest uh, pesticide crops from yeah. what I understand. It's the highest in California and it's 36 million pounds per year of different chemicals that are getting dumped and sprayed on farmland just for almonds. It's, and it affected us so bad. We lost four pregnancies, my wife oh my and I, God. during that time. Wow. Um, it really woke us up. And that's what life was slapping us. It was definitely saying, hey, get out. And then as soon as we got out of there, we had our two girls. So my son was born. Then we lived there. We we're getting sick. I was even gaining weight. Like I, I had a very adverse effect to it. And I didn't really 
changed my diet that significantly moving out of there. I, I have since then because it was such a wake-up call. Like kind of like you, I got deeper and deeper. And I did go all the way to raw vegan as well. Like I I uh similar thing, but mine was pushed by being sick mm. and and having so much loss. And then as soon as we moved away from there, two healthy baby girls. Per, you know, pregnancies without complications at all. And the doctors were telling us not to even try having babies anymore because Jeez. obviously we couldn't do it, you know? And it wow, was, man. it's, um, so I know 100% how it can af- affect someone. And I know in our neighborhood, other people could have babies. So it is our, my, my chromosomes mixed with the pesticides made it even more, and so someone else could have a baby, but a lot of people have spina bifida and other things. And at that time, Texas A&M and Duke University were doing studies on people like my wife and I, and they said 90% of those spaces in these pesticides, uh, 90% of spina bifida, anencephaly, and several other certain uh, you know things that affected pregnancy uh, were in rural areas around these same pesticides. Wow. There's no coincidence there. I mean... Yeah, you experienced it. You lived it. And I'm so sorry to hear that you had that experience, but I'm glad that you were able to put the dots together and realize what you needed for healing and for fertility. I appreciate that. And I know I always say I have seven children and three are in bodies and I've come to be okay with it. At first I wasn't, there was a lot going on and I thought I was okay. And I was just being there for my wife because she physically went through it. Mm. But then I had to realize I had to come through my own terms with it. And I know it was meant to be talked about because now by me being willing to share my story and be okay to talk about it, so many other people have opened up to me that went through it. And even like how you bring up cancer, you know, I, I applaud all those that are out there fighting cancer or doing these things. And I don't think more pharmaceuticals are the answer. The reality is what you're talking about. What are we doing that's causing that? Because putting another pill in our body or another chemical to affect the chemical that was already in our body. And I know some people out there might not feel the same about this out there listening, but I have to say it. I I think what you're doing is one of the best things we can do. And, you know, like documentaries like Biggest Little Farm and Kiss the Ground and and all of these things. In fact, all the retreats we do, my team, and especially Giovanni, who you've talked to, Tim, we're, we're looking at how do we bring that farming into our retreats and mm-hmm. how do we, how, how do we live on the land and the small farms and the idea that not only are we going to, you know, increase our health and our well being, but also we're going to start solving world problems like climate because I, at this point, and you probably are more educated in this than me, but I'm, I'm pretty convinced that the monocrop farming is one of the biggest culprits of our climate change uh, today. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no question. And it's also, but the, Paul Hawking has this great, he has this great quote. Paul Hawking is the guy that helped spearhead Project Drawdown, but up there in Marin, they're actually based. They, they have this epic book that basically gives you the top 80 solutions to climate change. And we're talking actually reversing climate change by drawing carbon down from the atmosphere and storing it in the soil, for example. So they, they basically have 80 different solutions that they've scientifically vetted with researchers from all over the world. And, um, you know, at least 20 of those solutions are related to regenerative agriculture and land use. And um, highly recommend that book for anyone that hasn't checked it out. But my point with bringing up Paul Hawken was he's got this great quote and he says, 
no industry is a bigger part of the problem or of the potential solution than the food industry. So that's kind of a quote that I live by because it is a, it's a double-edged sword. You know, you can use agriculture. It's just a tool, right? Like anything, you can use it to heal or you can use it to kill. Right now, most of it is having the effect of killing. Like I said, biocides, all that kind of stuff. But we can easily flip that model on its head and A, stop spraying chemicals, which is, you know, step one. Let's stop doing bads. But more than that, we can actually heal the soil. We can rebuild topsoil. And in that process, we can draw carbon down from the atmosphere to permanently store it underground in the soil. And that's what we really need to do to actually uh, stabilize and then start to reverse this climate chaos that we're seeing globally. Which naturally, I think, was happening years ago until it was manipulated to the point that it is now. You know, so it's it's kind of looking back. At the way, because like even you said, the symbiotic relationship between the animals and the other plants and and the forest, you know, allows it. And one thing that popped in my mind, and then I want to ask a question about your farming with the, I remember as we started to change our lives, um, you know, one of the things that we can do to make a change is for everyone as a consumer, what products are we buying? And that's why I support you uh, when I buy my and I'm not joking. This is not like a product plug. You know, uh, Tim didn't pay seriously. Like I wanted you on the show because I care about what you're doing. Ser- like from the bottom of my heart. And I just got tingled. Talk about truth bumps. I just got shivers on my body saying this. But this is the first thing I can do is buy your product because I know what you're doing. And it says it right on your jar, you know, like what you're doing for the world. And so that's one thing. And I just remember this moment when my mom came to our house after we like took all the chemicals out of our house, all of them. And we're like, okay, we're out, we're out of this. We're not, and we're going to, and that's why I have to read all going back to the beginning of this podcast. I have to read all the bottles because I have to know what, what am I bringing in my house? And, um, and then who am I supporting? And where's my, where are my dollars going? And my mom brought some candies for the kids. Right. And mm-hmm. like every grandma does. And, and I was like, no, mom, we can't, give the, <laughs> we can't give the kids. And then she took me aside and she was upset and she said, just a little bit. I mean, come on. I don't come over that often. You know, I can't. And I said, and I just looked at my mom and I said, mom, for your grandkids, what amount of poison is okay? A, a little bit of poison, a, a medium amount. What, what, sh- let's do this together. What mm. amount of poison is the right decision for, for your grandchildren, for my children? What amount of poison? And wow. I was like serious about this. And then she looked at me and she said, okay, I understand. And then she threw, the, can- she threw the candies away. She got it. Wow. Well, good for you for being able to cross that bridge and have real talk and to have her receive it. That's amazing. And the, and then the family starts to realize how serious you are. And they also then started to see the effects on our, on our body, mm-hmm. like, and our well being, and that we weren't getting sick and that we're, we're living this. So to move us, like I said, there's so many places I could go <laughs> with mm-hmm. this conversation. Totally. So let's pause real quick and take a break and we'll be right back. I just want to give a big shout out to pro audio voices. They helped me with all of my podcasts. 
And Becky and her team are just amazing. I've known them for years, even before I started my podcast. And that's why she was my go-to because not only does she help me sound great and produces the podcast, so it's easy for me. I can do what I do best. I do the speaking and the interviewing, and then they do all that background work to help get the podcast out there in the right way with the highest quality. But on top of that, what makes it most critical to me, for those of you that know me, wow, clients are important. Wow, relationships are important. And working with Becky and her team is definitely wow. I get an amazing experience. I get to work with amazing people. A lot of love and hugs. Let's put it that way. So if you want to work with great people and you want to get a podcast out and you want to let go of all the technology and the way that it's recorded so you can do what you do best, then you definitely want to get a hold of Pro Audio Voices. And it's ProAudioVoices.com and you'll be able to reach Becky and her team and be able to let go of all that stuff so you can do what you do best and then delegate the rest. But how, how do you do the farming then? Like, so are you like working with different, you know, almond producers? So it's in small crops where they're doing many different crops and you're, you're getting harvest from that. Or are you actually creating your own small farms and, and creating that? Because as you grow, like, obviously you probably have to have almonds from different parts of, of the world or, I, or I don't know, talk to me about how you're thinking about growth while still being in the small farm thinking like the, the regenerative farming. Totally. Well, it's definitely been a journey. So, you know, I started out, I, I was sourcing from a farmer that I personally knew that lived about 30 minutes from my house in Davis and he had a little 14 acre orchard in the Cape Valley. You know, I, I had a personal relationship with him. I would buy him, you know, we'd visit each other. He's actually the guy that first taught me about stone grinding as a way to process the almonds into nut butter. And, you know, he was, he was my main supplier for the first probably year, year and a half. The thing about almonds that makes them complicated is there's this law where the USD has main, mandated pasteurization of all almonds that are grown in California. And, you know, they did it for good reason. I mean, there was, there was two outbreaks of salmonella in 2001, 2004, and so people got sick and they traced it back to raw almonds. And, um, you know, so, so basically since 2007, um, if you're going to be reselling almonds to a consumer as a food company, then either you have to steam pasteurize the almonds or you have to buy pasteurized almonds. And basically that's just to kill any potential pathogens that might be living on the surface of the almonds. But of course, you know, we were, I was pretty, I was a purist about it. I wanted to have the unpasteurized almonds, right? Yep. And so the first year and a half, I just broke the law and <laughs> literally bought unpasteurized almonds straight from my farmer because the thing was, so the harvesting is the problem. It's not the almonds are dangerous coming off the tree. It's the way that we harvest them is the problem. So the, the, these shakers literally come in the orchard, they grab the tree by the trunk and they shake it. And then they all fall on the ground, all the almonds fall on the ground, and they literally have like street sweepers coming through these orchards, sweeping everything up off the orchard floor. So if you can imagine, there's not just almonds on that floor, there's bird poop, there's deer poop, whatever wild animals are there. And so, you know, lo and behold, before they were pasteurizing on the almonds, they had someone get sick because there was, you know, the almonds sat on the ground for too long and got pooped on too much. And so, you know, rather than addressing that as the issue, they just took the heavy handed approach and said, well, let's just, you know, let's just kill all the surfaces, all the almonds. So nothing's growing. So anyways, including the almond itself, like all the yeah. nutrients in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. And, you know, so anyways, the, the guy that I was sourcing from, 
he actually was still harvesting by hand. They would literally, him and his family would come out with sticks and beat the trees on the branches to get the almonds to fall. But they would put down a tarp first and then the almonds would fall on the tarp and then they would take the tarps and take them to the hauler and sheller. So I knew personally that there was no risk for our almonds because they weren't in that same model that created the problem. Right. But obviously, you know, you grow as a business and at a certain point you got to get certified by the health department. Health department knows if you're using California almonds, they got to be pasteurized. So I couldn't like lie to the health department. Right. At that point, I actually did switch to Spanish almonds because Spain was the world's largest almond producer until California took that title in the last 50 years. And the, the law only applies to California grown almonds. So you can literally buy almonds from anywhere else in the world and they can be unpasteurized. And in fact, the California almonds, can, they can export them anywhere else in the world without pasteurizing them. It's just for almonds that are grown in California, resold to people in the U.S. that you wow. have to pasteurize. So anyways, I circumvented it by sourcing from Spain. And obviously that had a, a downside of you know, having a higher carbon footprint because it's coming from Spain instead of my neighbor 30 minutes away. But the upside was A, it's unpasteurized and B, it's dry farmed. So in Spain, they actually grow almonds without added irrigation. They plant the tree and then maybe they'll water it once to get it established, maybe. But usually they just let it go with the rainfall and they've got just enough rainfall that the almonds trees can live and produce. Wow. Uh, so that's great. You know, everyone complains about um, almonds using a lot of water in California and right. they, they pretty much do, it's true. Uh, but it doesn't have to be that way. We could we could adopt dry farming here. And the reason that we don't is because you only get about one-tenth of the yield. So it's a hard t- it's a hard sell with land, expensive as it is in California, to say, oh, actually, you should only get one-tenth of the yield. From right. Like, and, and, and if they've been used to that 100%, it's the hardest thing is to take the pay cut. If they would have established that at the beginning, you would know no difference. Right? Like in Spain, they're like, this is the amount of yield we normally have, you know? And here we're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyways, we did we did Spanish almonds for the longest time and we got pretty famous for, you know, marketing that, the dry farming piece, the unpasteurized piece. But recently, you know, in the last year, we started noticing a lot of issues that we were having with the Spanish almonds. You know, we were getting a lot of shells was the main issue. So we get customers complaining, oh, I almost broke my teeth or several customers actually did break their teeth and people started threatening lawsuits. Oh no. I'm just like, man, we gotta, we gotta do something about this because there was nothing we could do on our end. It was all from the farm, the way that they were processing it. And, um, you know, we tried to, you know, sort them out as best as we could in our facility, but you still, they're just like, they get through your net. You miss, miss one. Yeah. yeah. So we had enough complaints of the people hurting their teeth that I was like, man, we got to, we can't do this anymore. And around the same time we were having the wildfires in California and we, you know, about 22% of Santa Cruz County burned last year. So it was very real for us that climate change is happening and we got to act on it now. So I realized that it, we had to switch back to California. And so basically what we're doing now is we're sourcing from California it's all organic, 100% USDA certified organics. So we're not dealing with any of the issues with the chemical spray and stuff like we're talking about. The trade-off is that we're using steam pasteurized now. And so the hope is that because it's steam, it's like a quick, you know, 30 seconds or less just blast of steam on the surface of the almond. And the hope is that we're not like totally killing the whole almond, you know, down to the core. Right. The steam is just killing what's on the outside. 
And so, you know, we haven't done any studies either way. I, the research that I've seen has suggested that it doesn't harm the nutrition of the almond, but I think there's still some questions to answer about that. But for me, it was a trade-off that I was willing to make in order to A, stop harming my customers indirectly who are hurting their teeth, yep. and B, to try to clean up the climate change problem. But, you know, basically that's where we're at now. We're sourcing organic California. All the orchards are north of Sacramento. So it's, it's a part of the Central Valley that gets more rain naturally. When you're starting to go south of Sacramento, it's a lot drier. And so right. that's where you're seeing a lot of more issues with depleting aquifers and the ground sinking by 40 feet because they're using so much water in a region. And then the other thing is bees. So, you know, first of all, by being organic, you're helping the bees. You're not spraying poisons, which kill the bees and cause colony collapse disorder. Um, so organic is like the first step, but then beyond that, you know, there's other things that you can do to help support the health of the bees, which are essential for pollinating the crop. We literally would have no almonds without honeybees or other, other pollinators. And so we're basically sourcing from a supplier that's certified, uh, bee friendly farming. And, um, that's, that's how we're trying to address the water issue and the bee issue is by sourcing from these particular orchards. Beautiful. Yeah. And then, and then bringing that in, you know, like I could, you know, see, I think a lot of it's going to smaller farming. So even if you're sourcing, you know, from multiple sources over time, if you have a, a bunch of small farms that have a certain amount of almonds, you know, I don't know if that's been considered, but ultimately you can still grow, but they don't have to all be on one plot of land. Like you were saying, where it's just like a ghost town of trees, we can actually have these yields, but do it in a, in a great way. And I think that's what you're, you're explaining and you're, you're still learning and you're still figuring it out. And I can get that. And you have, we have these trade-offs, um, but you're, you're doing it with the best intentions. I can feel it. So yeah. And the next, the next level is to go beyond organic to regenerative organic. So right. basically what that means in almonds is so Patagonia and um, Dr. Bronner's and a lot of these big ethical companies partnered to create the Regenerative Organic Certification, ROC. And basically, it's a brand new designation within the last year and a half, two years, that certifies that a product not only is grown organically with no chemicals, et cetera, but is actually definitely doing things that improve the health of the soil, definitely doing things that improve the health of the local ecosystem, definitely doing things that support the workers by paying fair wages, it's, it's probably the most holistic certification that we've ever seen. So obviously we want that certification, but the problem is there's no current orchards that exist in the world that are regenerative organic certified. However, I'm happy to share that just recently I found an orchard that is the most regenerative almond orchard in California. And this is studied by a third party scientific foundation called the Ecdysis Foundation. They're basically going around to different orchards in California and giving them a rating on from like one to nine on how regenerative they are. And the average like conventional almond orchard is like, you know, 1.5 to two. They're really not doing that much. Whereas the average organic or regenerative orchard is more in the like six range. Well, these guys are a nine out of what? nine. A literal nine. They're doing every single cultural practice that you can do to be a regenerative almond orchard according to the current ways that we have to think about and measure it scientifically. And so I, I just literally found these guys like three weeks ago. So I'm not ready to fully announce it, like their name and everything, but we're going to be partnering them starting this fall and sourcing 
20,000 pounds of almonds from them and partnering with them to tell their story and to get it out there. The beautiful thing about them is they bought a conventional almond orchard a year ago. And so they're not only transitioning it to organic, which is a three-year process that they're one year into, but from there, they're actually going for that regenerative organic certification that I told you about. And so it's actually a transitional to regenerative uh, organic farm. And so I'm just, I, if you guys go to my Instagram, you'll actually see a photo on there that we just posted. And it shows this beautiful picture of almond trees with all kinds of different cover crops growing under them with a bunch of sheep grazing nice. under the trees. And they're actually grazing like five different species of animals on 64 acres. They've got sheep, they've got cows, they've got chickens, ducks, pigs. And it's just like, they're literally, I, you've, you've seen Biggest Little Farm. They're doing Biggest Little Farm on an almond orchard. They're wow. literally bringing it back to life. They're seeing the, the levels of insects, birds, earthworms, all literally multiplying on this orchard. And so it's not that in hard. In one year. In one year. It's just so fast. It's yeah. so fast. And they're doing all kinds of stuff to bring it back to life, literally. So they, they through their practices, they're doing what I said. They're literally promoting the flourishing of all the life in their system. And you know what? That makes the almonds healthier too. They're trying to make the most nutrient dense almonds that they can possibly produce. And, you know, that's saying something because almonds are already considered to be, by one scientific study that I read, they're considered to be the number one most nutritionally fit food on the planet. And this was looking at a, a network of a thousand different nutrients that were studied in relationship to each other using a matrix analysis. Almonds were number one on that list of all the like a thousand different foods that they studied globally. Almonds were literally at the top. So, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful food. It's a, it's a food that very much deserves to be centrally featured worldwide in the global diet. But the way that we produce it has to be, it has to honor, you know, all life in, yeah. in the way that it's made. And so that's what we're really trying to amplify with our, with our supply web. It's so beautiful. And I, I think I want to touch on one other point about the food. And then I want to talk a little bit about the life part as we come, we're going to start to have to gear, you know, wrap up things and I'll probably have you on another show, but you know, one point, and if anybody, you know, with is looking at this, like one thing that I've learned and I'm sure, you know, you're well aware, like when you talk about all the sprouting, all of that affects the teeth they found, you know, like, because if you don't act, when you do the sprouting, it's easier to digest. And it, uh, there's so many minerals. It's not that we can't digest it, but then what I've learned, the mineral absorption then takes away from things that we need for our teeth or helping with digestion. And, and some gut doctors, they say they won't eat nuts that aren't into a paste because then not only is it sprouted, but then it's ground down. It helps with the digestion and you're getting all that nutrients that you're talking about, but then we're making it easier on our body. And so I think you're actually. You know, I mean, like everything you're saying, that whole download from your meditation, you're you're taking, putting it into an amazing product that's very nutritious for our body, and you're affecting all the farming practices and all those things. I mean, the web of things you're touching is just is fascinating and 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 so important. It's a beautiful thing, brother. I just had to thank had you to, had to share on that. Yep. So I'll just quickly wrap up the food. Yeah, because we ha we haven't talked a lot about our actual products, but I just wanted <laughs> yeah. to quickly like we've been deep on the farming piece. So, I, I appreciate you know, it. Yeah, go go there, ahead. There's kind of like there's basically four elements to our alchemy as okay. a brand and as a product line. Sprouted almond butter is what we do. 
So there's the organic piece, which is the number one most important value add, soon to be regenerative organic, right? And then the second piece is the sprouting. Sprouting makes almonds sweeter, more digestible, and more nutritious. And we also have research that shows that sprouting increases the polyphenol content of the almonds, which are antioxidants, which are super healthy for our systems and fighting all kinds of oxidative diseases. So then the third value add is dehydrating. So rather than roasting, which is how most almonds and almond butters are processed, we actually use a low heat to get the moisture out of the almonds over a longer period of time. So the benefit of that is you're really preserving the enzymes, the flavor, and the nutrients of those sprouted almonds. And the other benefit is when you roast, you're actually creating acrylamide, which is a carcinogenic compound. So there's actually almond butter companies that are getting into trouble with the state of California. They're getting sued for not putting a Proposition 65 label on their almond butter. And that's because every roasted product, it generates acrylamide, which is a carcinogen. And by law, you have to label that on your food product if it's roasted. So word of the wise, if you're going to be buying almonds, let them be raw or let them be sprouted and dehydrated, right? We don't want to eat more carcinogens because we know we have plenty of those in the environment already. Right. So then the, the fourth value add, sprouted, dehydrated, organic, and stone ground. So that's the, really the key difference to our products. We're, we're processing in small batches. Literally, we're putting 75 pounds of almonds per batch into a stone grinder, which is grinding the almonds into a butter at a low speed and a low temperature anywhere from two to 12 hours of processing that one batch of 75 pounds. So again, it's, it's low speed, it's low temperature, you're preserving the enzymes, the flavor and the nutrition, but you're also, you're basically preventing things like oxidation, right? Because the industrial model of almond butter is you throw it in a metal cutting machine. It's like, it's got these blades that are cutting it super fast. You have the potential to get oxidized more quickly. You have the potential to introduce heavy metal contamination because you've got these metal blades that are grinding each other. And you're literally just pumping it in one end and out the other, thousands of pounds an hour. It's a totally different model. And um, whereas with stone grinding, it's an ancient technology that we have archaeological evidence of our species using for over 30,000 years. So literally stone grinding is a method of food processing that's older than civilization itself. So it's a time-tested technology that our bodies have had time to adapt to and handle. So, you know, that's, that's really the difference for a product. People are going to go to our website and they're going to be like, dang, this is expensive. But I just want people to understand why, because we've got these, it's basically four different dimensions of value add that we're offering that literally no one else is doing. And so it, it's how we achieve our mission to create the most delicious, nutritious, ethical, and ecological food that we possibly can. I, I think it's so beautiful. And, you know, I know it's tough for some people to see their grocery bill go up. You know, the thing that I look at, though, is the decline in being sick. And what's the cost of that? Because, you know, going to the doctor is one expense that you might think is the result of it. But what about the time that you lose, the energy that you lose? You know, what I put inside my body changes my energy. Like people even look at me, they're like, Steve, you have so much energy and I don't drink caffeine. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I, it's, uh, it, it's like you were saying when you, uh, when you ate cleaner and cleaner, you felt like on top of the world. And I can attest to that. And, 
And you know what? Everything you just said, I could taste it. And now having all that logic behind it, it makes more sense why it tastes so good and it's so good for you. And so you do have to recalibrate what you're spending on. But I can tell you when, and just for my own personal, and it's for all the products, you know, it does, you know, uh, change the product. And even to the point, uh, Tim and I have a mutual friend that we didn't know about until we met doing this podcast, but Jonas with Firefly Chocolate, you know, he pays his whole supply chain more than any other. I, I, I think he says any chocolate. I know now he's the world's largest provider of chocolate. I just got his email recently. He's the world's largest provider of chocolate. That's a hundred percent chocolate. And all the people told him he was stupid, like including his financiers and all of them. They said, there's no way you can sell chocolate without sugar. Like, what are you doing? You know? And, but the reason I bring up the money is because it changes that it goes back to what I said at the beginning when your your grandmother's cooking tasted so good because of all the love and intention and when you you buy something from a supplier that has been you know you know especially with chocolate and and even these bigger these commodity items they've been just ground down to the cheapest way they can make it and then it affects all of the people involved right the farmers the laborers all of these things and ultimately we 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 pay for that in, in our energy because every bit of this food has energy in it. It it is all energy. I know I'm getting more spiritual again, but the reality is all of that misgivings or slave labor or whatever, all the things that go in, that goes into your food. And then we eat that and we wonder why it feels good or it doesn't feel good. And it was almost the spiritual experience, Tim, the first time I had your product, I'm like, Oh, this is so good. And I can't tell you, we started getting all this stuff and my wife did go to your website and I, I think you even gave her a coupon code and, and we got more jars. And, and so I, I can hundred percent vouch for it. And you're totally right. We do have to discuss price because people need to realize what they're paying for. It does matter. And we're supporting, like, I'm glad to pay you more, Tim, because look at all the goodness that you're bringing to the world. And I also see the result in my body. So I uh, thank you, brother. Thank you for doing what you do. Well, it's my honor to nourish you and all of our customers. And honestly, I'm so glad that you feel it and you give me that feedback because we constantly get the most amazing feedback from our customers. And that's that's kind of the fuel that really keeps me going at the end of the day. It's just like, you know, I know that I I know that it's the best on the market, sure. But when people let me know that and give me like insights into what their experience is with it, that's the really the richness that drives me. And, you know, I, it's like, just to wrap the food conversation, um, you know, I, I recently measured myself for glyphosate levels, right? The Roundup, the, the carcinogenic chemical that's sprayed on almond orchards and most other kinds of food. I actually, I've been strictly organic for over a decade now. And um, my levels of glyphosate were not detected. Like literally they couldn't detect any. And this was the most sensitive lab in the U.S. And, um, you know, so they, they give you like a measure, like here's the average American, here's the average European. And then I was just like, I had none. And wow. it's like, literally, that's because I recognize my body's a temple. I am what I eat. Why would I put anything in my temple that's carcinogenic or poisonous? So I would really invite anyone who's interested, if you haven't maybe gone as far as I have in the organics, you know, strictly organic direction, 
why don't you check out, you know, just, just test yourself and see what your levels are. And you can see for yourself that, you know, what, what might be the consequences of not fully thinking through every food that you eat, reading every label, like you said. And, you know, honestly, I was curious too about my product. I tested my product and it was far below the 10 parts per billion threshold that's considered safe. I think we were like at two. I also tested several other organic and non-organic almond butters. And I'm happy to report that all the organic almond butters were about a two parts per billion level. And there wasn't a single conventional almond butter that I tested that was below 10. Uh, there was one that was 25, another one was 50 parts per billion. And it's just crazy. I mean, you can, you can pontificate about it all day. If you don't believe, just, just analyze it. Grab something off the shelf at the store and send it to the lab. And you can see how much chemicals are in that product. And I've done it. So, yeah, I would just encourage people to get scientific about it. If you don't believe in the spiritual stuff, just get scientific and start testing yourself and your food. And, and you know, this whole show, some of you might be listening and hopefully you're enjoying this. I know I am. But this is more business and more life. Because here you are a business providing this, this good product, but it's also providing so much life. And then even in your own life, like you're going back to how we started this conversation, you're listening to your heart and your mind and, and all of your guidance that you received to move in this direction. And just like in the alchemist, uh, the famous book, you know, it says when you're living your legend, as they put it, your, or you could change that to your purpose, the universe will conspire for your success. You know, and I think there's no, you know, go, even, you know, kind of capping off the, 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 if you look at the regenerative farms, they're making more money per acre than any other farmers. I mean, 100%. you know, it, yeah. it's like leaps and bounds, like Singing Frog Farms in Sebastopol. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're doing oh, yeah. about a hundred and five thousand per acre. Wow! And and the uh, the best other organic vegetable farm, what they said was UC Davis at like seventeen thousand five hundred, mm. and and so that's how far ahead they are. And then if you go to the average, it's about nineteen hundred dollars to thirty four hundred dollars for a vegetable farm per acre. So wow. that's how much difference there being. And I, I think there's no coincidence in that. The universe is showering the right direction. And, and so they're not only doing the right thing for our human bodies, just as you are, but also the abundance, the financial abundance is showering. And I don't think that's uh, on accident. Mm -hmm. That is a wake up call because some people that won't wake up for nutrition, like you and I have, and what we're sharing with others, they will show up for for that finance. And I don't care, even if they're there for that money grab, but they're doing the right thing. And if that reward is going to come, uh, it'll just start propelling us in the right direction. So either way that it comes, I'm happy to see it go in that direction and the reward. And I guess, you know, just being that we're, I try to keep these episodes to an hour and like, you know, this has been such a beautiful thing, but I guess I, I'm, you know, I, it's, I just want to kind of cap on the idea and, and kind of drive us to like from where we started to like an ending here and is where like your trust in, in life itself in a way like that allowed you to trust that doing what you love and what you were propelled to would actually, you know, allow you to have a living. Like, was there any point that you were afraid or how did you make that decision that, 
I'm going to be okay. And that financially I'll be okay. And that this is the right direction for somebody out there, because I'm kind of looking at it as like a, an ending tip, so to speak, if we were to take like one thing that, and there was probably many that people could take away, hopefully. And then, but on this one thing, if somebody's out there saying, I know I want to do this thing, but I'm not sure if I should quit my job or, you know, and I'm not saying anyone quit your job. Maybe you need to take a slower out. You got to take care of yourself. But I guess I just wanted to hear your voice, Tim. How do you make that decision to really listen to yourself and know that and trust that you're going to be okay financially? Like, how did you find that navigation? Yeah, it's interesting. I if guess there's an answer <laughs> for me, for me, it was just like with that download I got, it was just so clear. It was like, ah, oh, yeah, that's the answer for me. Like, and there was just since day one, like, I think, you know, I stopped doing my last demo in May of 2013. And, you know, the business has paid for my life since literally I started it. Um, so I, I don't know if I'm a good case study or not. <laughs> well, but it might um, be because you listened and then the life life rewarded you. So I guess I'm curious on a direct question. When the friend threw the money at you, was that before the meditation or after? That was before. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I still, you know, that didn't, that wasn't the deciding factor. It was just like a powerful jolt of like, oh, yeah. interesting. There is something here. But yeah, it's it's weird. You know, I've had I've had a lot of times where I almost failed or the business should have failed, but something came along and helped me bail out or, you know, I thought it was going to crash and burn and it almost did, but holy crap, some miracle happened and it kept going. <laughs> There's been a lot of like interesting close calls like that, but I would say it's been pretty spiritual just trusting that, okay, I don't know where the money's coming from, but I trust that I'll be provided for and I'm going to keep doing this until I can't, Right. And each time I've taken that leap of faith so far, I've caught myself and I'm not going to, you know, I do need to get better about budget. I think I'm a little bit too far in the like trusting the universe. It's all going to work out place. I've never had a budget for my business to be completely transparent. And now that I'm working with a professional advisor now, who's a very successful food, organic food superstar. And his name thing with me is like, man, we got to get you a budget ASAP. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we got to make you a, a forecast of your P&L and we got to look at your balance. Like, you know, I got to get better about the nuts and bolts of the business and I'm hiring the professionals to help me do that. But um, I would say, yeah, it's been a very spiritual leap of faith into this business life flow. You know, I, I've definitely felt it as a, there's not really necessarily a difference. You know, everything that happens in my life is important. It's work too. Everything that happens in my business has spiritual significance, teaches me, you know, things about myself. So I like what you're doing. You know, you're, you're trying to kind of break down that work-life mental divide. Yeah, because thank you for that. Because really like the saddest thing for me is when someone has a genius or that thing inside of themselves, or they got a download like you did. And then, and we often listen to what we should be doing or what society's telling us to do or how we should have a job. And, and, and when I see something like that being put to the side, Oh, you know, what if, what if making almond butter was your hobby and you made money doing something else? It may never happen, or you might stop because those times that it was hard, you'd be like, Oh, I better just make money. And then that's the saddest thing because, uh, and it really would be sad because 
Look at how far you've come in eight years. Look at the products you're delivering. It, it took your life force and your devotion to this. And so I think that's one of the big factors of more business and more life. And I choose those words on purpose because more business attracts people, but ultimately I want you to have the more life, but it really brings those things together and work and life all come together as you're, as you're illustrating. And I guess for my closing question, and I, I'm surely going to Many of my guests, I end up saying this too. We got to have another episode because there's so many other areas to, to, to drive. But if for those listening out there and they are having their heart tell them, hey, I want to do this thing, is there one piece of advice to help them you know, take that step? Or maybe they're in it and they're wondering, am, am I going to be okay? You know, like, is there some piece of advice you would share or some experience to help them keep going and trusting? Yeah, well... I would, on a practical note, I mean, I would say that, you know, if you're interested in the food business, I can certainly give people resources to get started there. Cause gosh, I made so many mistakes <laughs> just jumping into it without thinking about it. And if I had thought about it, maybe I wouldn't have made the jump. Right. right. But here I am. And so I'm happy to help be a resource to guide anyone that is interested in the food business path because it's quite a path. It's definitely one of the harder businesses to make a go in. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's a, it's a, a phrase comes to mind that was one of my mantras back in the day when I was still 25 and trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, which is whatever, whatever happens, it's all good. Right. And you know, it's tragedies, you know, there's, all kinds of disasters and wars and health problems that can come up. But I think if you can try to just, you know, take a, take a spiritual view of life, you can kind of see maybe not that it happened for a reason necessarily, but that you can learn from that it happened and that you can grow from it. So I don't, I don't know if that's helpful, but <laughs> well, I, I think it, I think it can be, it's such a simple thing and some people might have to take a deep breath around that, but sometimes the simplest things can be the most profound. And I think just you sharing your story today is in itself a door opener for some folks, because hopefully they'll see that if they have a passion, they can, they can go for it and, and that life can provide for you while you're doing the right thing. So I so appreciate you being on the show and I truly appreciate what you're doing for your, your products and the world and just being an example um, so thank you so much for taking your time today to be on our show, Tim. And and we'll put, uh, I know you'll work with my team and we'll put uh, show notes and the links that you suggested and allow everyone to be able to find you. We'll put all the links there. Is there a preferred way that people uh, connect with you, a preferred channel? Uh, they can they can go to our website and contact us on there, find our Instagram. Instagram's a great, great way to connect and stay up to date. People can sign up for our newsletter. They get 20% off their first order for signing up for our newsletter. And I only try to share, you know, maybe once every six weeks, maybe once a month the most. And it's usually like, oh, we're having a sale or, oh, we're doing this cool regenerative thing I want you to know about. Yep. Usually a combination of the two. Like we just launched a sale that is actually benefiting regenerative almond research from the Ecdysis Foundation that I mentioned earlier. So yeah, there's a lot of cool announcements that we have coming down the pike. We got some really exciting new products that we're literally going to be first to the world market with later this year. Wow. So I'm excited to have people stay in touch with us and 
learn about these exciting new launches where we're taking almonds even further to get innovative new evolutionary journeys for the almond. <laughs> well, perfect. Well, I'm on your email list and my family's eaten your butters. And, and so we look forward to seeing all the things that come from your company. So I thank you so much for, for being on the show, Tim. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate what you're doing. And um, yeah, just hope everyone can find whatever it is that makes them come fully alive, you know, and just figure out what you need to flourish and experience that. May everyone who's listening fully express themselves in this human form and, you know, be a fully alive, holistically vibrant organism on this earth. I second that brother. The words are beautiful. And for those of you listening, you know, please share what was the greatest value from this episode. Any questions, you'll be able to get a hold of Tim. We'll put those in, that information there. You can get a hold of us on our team and myself. And, you know, we definitely appreciate you subscribing and listening and we'll keep putting out great content as we can. And I always remind everyone, choose gratitude and you'll create your freedom. So I am grateful and thanks everyone for listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the More Business, More Life podcast. I hope you got value. And if you did, we have so many more things for you at stevenopleton.com. You'll be able to connect with us on social media. We are active. You can ask us questions. And then on top of that, I want to give you a really big gift. And it truly is. We want to give so much value. We have an offering. It's a program called Clear Path to Customers. It's the same way that we attract wow clients and only working with the right people, the people we want to. And it's transformed my business into millions more in revenue with the right people and my clients. And we're doing it absolutely free. So you can go to stevenopleton.com and grab that. You just got to put in your information. We'll send it to you promptly. And that again is on stevenopleton.com. I look forward to having you on the next show. Until then, remember, choose gratitude and create freedom. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.